As you're listening to the following music selections, adjust the volume, bass, and treble controls to suit your tastes. On today's episode of Android's Dungeon, Kayla Campbell in the studio, looking for houses, houses with games in them, and new games, Santa Maria, Star Trek. Yeah, it is. Welcome to CFRU 93.3 FM broadcasting out of the University of Guelph, Guelph, Ontario campus. This is Android's Dungeon, a show about games, music, movies, whatever occurred to Jack or Joel or Kayla or whoever happens to be the guest of the week uh, before we set set foot into the studio. Uh, you can check us out on CFRU's official website, cfru.ca or you can find us or past episodes on uh, basically all the podcast websites at least any of the ones worth their salt you can also find us on instagram at androids dungeon cfru androids dungeon cfru and we have a twitter account i think it's 80 radio cfru on twitter if you feel like um looking at any of that stuff the goofy social media stuff and also uh, sign up for the guelph board gamers group even if you're not in Guelph, because we've had people who are not in Guelph sign up, and it's like, you know, I don't care. It's it's more of a, a group that happens to be based in Guelph. It's mm-hmm. not for people in no, specifically in Guelph. It's for anyone who likes board games. Yeah. And, you know, if you sign up, maybe we'll do an event or something. Yeah, get enough people, and we can just, uh, you know... Do a thing. Do a thing. In fact, I'm almost 100% sure that... Joel has met up with at least one person mm-hmm. randomly from yeah. the Guelph Board Games, which is a very Joel thing to do, I think, to make yeah. friends and meet up with somebody off the group. Joel likes anyone. Very friendly guy. <laughs> He's not as bitter misanthrope, uh, misanthrope, bitter misanthrope as I am, but whatever. <laughs> um, so in case you haven't noticed, Joel is not here, and the lovely Kayla Campbell is filling in for him. Far lovelier, lovelier than Joel. <laughs> <laughs> I, I agree with that. Um, he was like in Algonquin or something. Yeah, we, I assume he's been either eaten by a bear or mm-hmm. he's going through his own personal revenant experience. Yeah, or Curtis killed him. Or Curtis killed him and ate him. Okay, I don't know why he has to get eaten. I, I don't know. Curtis is a hungry guy, even though I don't think he could probably eat Joel because Curtis has very strict dietary restrictions. Also so. true. <laughs> um, Kayla, what have you been playing recently? Well, Jack, since I've last been on the show, I've been playing a lot of things, but I won't talk about all of them because you probably mentioned some of them. (laughs) Probably. Uh, But very recently, specifically this weekend, we learned Santa Maria. Describe Santa Maria. Well, Santa Maria is a strategy type board game. (laughs) And it's not very difficult. There are three rounds. And the goal of the game is that you are building up your colony. 
you're sailed somewhere and you're, I don't know, building it up. The method of gaining points is in smiles. Happiness. From your colonists. Um, and there's there's some really like interesting and cool mechanics. So um, there are you have a player board that starts out with some different options on it. Um, I think they call them buildings, but they're not really buildings. They're just like spots that have action. So like for example, one spot will get you um, f- wood, which you can then use to buy uh, squares that go onto your board, and that are therefore filling it up more. And to tap the buildings, you do one of two things, which is also super interesting. Uh, you either pay, so you pay a dollar for the first one, two dollars for the next one, three dollars for the one after that, and you get the idea. Uh, but money is actually in pretty short supply, so mm-hmm. you can also um, leverage dice. So there's two sets of dice. There's one set of dice that is available for anyone, and as an action, you can take a dice. Uh, which you roll before the round starts. And you can put it in the column that matches that dice's number. You can then use every building in that Mm -hmm. column. Um, And you put the dice in the last building or last spot that you used, which means that that spot's no longer available. You also have one to many. I end up with a total of three. Three's the the best you can get, actually. Oh, three's the best. That makes sense. (laughs) Um, You can have up to three... Uh, personal dice, which you roll and then use in a row. And again, same idea. You use all the buildings in order and then put the dice on the last one. And there's also some ships because everyone likes boats and boats should be in every game. Yeah, the boats uh, kind of reminded me of what uh, um, Vikings does, mm. or what they how they kind of work in that. But yeah, so Kayla basically summed up the game. It's a, um, I'd say, a, a medium weight, light to medium euro involving the internet says that it's medium yeah complexity i guess we're not the people to be judging necessarily by that because by our standards it's very light but yeah it was super if you play games frequently i would say it was light it was also super fast there's only three rounds yeah it goes by quickly and uh so the premise is that like what kayla was saying is that you're taking on the role of basically um based on the cover probably spanish or portuguese colonists in the new world um specifically i believe spanish and you have your center board where all the sort of main actions or main sort of trackers occur. And then you have your own player board, which starts off very basic, but you add pieces to it a la, mm, let's say, Feast for Odin or Patchwork because there's slight polyomino um, building elements to it where you can purchase tiles that are two sizes uh, or two blocks are, uh, large or L-shaped in three blocks, or you can... Uh, even special occasion by little one-off paths. And you're putting all these things around on your board in a way that you want to try to maximize the actions. And like Kale was talking about, by using the dice that basically says, all right, everything in this row, you get to take. Or everything in this column, you get to take. So you're trying to maximize the amount of stuff you're getting. But keeping in mind, too, that your your resource cap is very strict. You can only ever have three of one type of object. Um, that means you could have three wood, three sugar, three gold, which are wild, but you're only ever allowed 
three. So what you're trying to do is you're trying to get, get this slight engine going at the same time where you're trying to get resources and spend the resources because you can't hold on to many. But at the same time, you're trying to maximize the amount of resources you're getting. So you don't want to put everything into one column because if you activated it, you wouldn't get, you'd just be capping out. It's a waste of your actions. So you're trying to put different things into a column and different things into the, these rows to use them. And you've got all these different tracks you're trying to manage as well. So there's the Conquistador track, which when you move it up or when you activate one of those sections on your board, you basically are sending out these harmless <laughs> explorers that definitely are not killing everything in sight and stealing the gold from them. And which means whenever your conquistador track moves past a certain amount of spaces, you get a wild card or some gold. And then there's the religion track, where as you move that track up, you, you get monks. Yeah, you get monks, and that's how you also get those blue dice kills talking about as well. And then as when monks come out, you get to throw them into certain sections, which are basically either immediate resources or you're giving yourself powers so you can activate things in different ways or you can get money back or you can promote them to bishophood which is creating uh, end game victory points for you uh, should you uh, succeed in whatever sort of uh, tile is up there and there's a bunch of different tiles for these guys and uh, for sh there's also the shipping tracks where you it's basic stuff where you're converting goods into basically raw victory points but what's cool about that is that the way ships are laid out is that when you do ship something, you take them from a very specific column and you move them to that uh, a row, excuse me, you move them to that row on your player board or next to your player board as well. So at the end of every round, for every ship you've got in each of those things, you get bonuses. So shipping is very strong. In fact, everything's super strong, but you're trying to build an engine. And like Hale is saying, the game goes very quickly because there's really only three rounds, but these rounds are open-ended in the sense that you can do as much as you want to do in that round. But as soon as you pass, that's it, baby. You've retired for the round. And your opponent can keep playing, theoretically. If but you get a retirement bonus. And you get a retirement bonus, so it's, it's not, not like... It's not great. Well, it's not bad. Sometimes yeah. it's just enough, and uh, and then you score stuff. So the the Conquistador track, whoever's highest on that gets points every, uh, every round. Um, and at the end of the game, you add up any victory points and all the happiness stuff you've got on the map, and that's that. So the game ends, and I think from we learned it and played the entire thing in probably under an hour. Probably. Do you think that's probably fair? Yeah, there's only three rounds, so I can't imagine we spent more than that on it. So, verdict. Kayla, tell our listener about Santa Maria in terms of how much you enjoyed it. Did you like it? I thought it was a fine game. I didn't think it was necessarily amazing. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't necessarily be grabbing it over some other things, but I thought it was like a fine game. Mm -hmm. Kind of exists in this weird middle ground because I think yeah. it's unique enough as far as I'm concerned mm -hmm. to... It's... I've played a few games and I can't really think of exactly what to compare it to. Like I mentioned Vikings. I meant yeah. Castles of Burgundy a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, but I think like the main mechanic of... Patchwork, Feast Run. Uh, I think the main mechanic is fairly unique or at least different enough that it has its own appeal. Yeah. But I didn't. it didn't thrill me. I think we've been playing other games that are kind of yeah. thrilling me a little bit more. It, it, yeah. it, it is a Euro. That's, I think, the problem with this game is that it's it, there's a fair amount of multiplayer solitaire going on in the sense that nothing I'm doing on my board is going to affect you in any way, which is fine. Not every game needs anything cutthroat. The main tension comes from, and I, it, I, I noticed it a couple times, I don't know if you saw it personally, was that it's that common pool of dice 
that yes. changes on the player count. Yes. And that's where you start to kind of look at your opponent and see, oh, God, Kayla's really loaded up the board on that stuff. But she could spite take it some dice, too. So if I, let's say... And she would. And she would. There are, let's say you've got um, a bunch of good stuff on in your second uh, column, and Kayla has nothing, or maybe she only has one or something basic. There's nothing to stop her from looking at that. In fact, it's a smart move for her to just take that dice right away and deprive you of all those goods and basically kneecap your little ex- mm-hmm. um, adventure. So it, it, that's as probably as mean as it can get. And I think if you maybe are playing with people who are playing more aggressively or conversely are um, more sensitive, that sort of stuff, where you could be spiteful. Like, I, this doesn't benefit me, but it hurts you mm-hmm. more than it doesn't, or than it uh, would, the tangible benefits are. So, but beyond that, it's kind of like, it, it's just there. It's You kind of feel like, okay, I'm doing this, turning this into that, then I'm going to get some more, I'm going to turn that into that, and I'm going to turn this into some more until you just oh, run out of steam for a lot of games. I know, but in this case, it just kind of sp- spins, yeah. sp- peters out a little bit. Yeah. I would agree that's kind of like multiplayer solitaire, but you can also play it solitarily. Exactly. Solitarily? So, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Sure. So, which is maybe appeals to some people. Yeah. So I would think that it's like a solid middling game. It's not terrible. Yeah. It's not amazing, but it's it's fine. I think I was a little disappointed in the sense that I, I've heard good things about it and I walked mm. in, like I've wanted this for a long time. Yeah. And when it finally came back in the stock, I was kind of excited for this because I, I looked at the design and I think I, I don't the know. design is cool. The the box is cool. The box it's it's colorful and it's cute, but even the colors are slightly muted to me. And mm-hmm. there's a couple of design choices like the ship tiles. When you flip the, so on the back of the ship tiles, they the they're it's nice deep blue ocean. There's a boat over like an isometric view. It's like, okay, that's kind of cool. But then you flip it over and it's got this gross shade of pink or mm-hmm. or like a pale yellow or something as the main color. And it's just, could you not have done something better to make this? It just, to me, that seemed like, Ah, we we just couldn't figure it out, or we cut some corners. And this and the the currency of victory points in the game are these smiley faces. But again, they're kind of weird looking. They the, are weird looking. They're like kind of they're, creepy. They are creepy. He's got like a big tooth. It's very strange. It's a smile that kind of yeah. It, it, if if you ever uh, see some something from like the fifties or sixties of that may have looked cute at the time, but has like imagine it's like aged so badly, it's all rusted and creepy. And you wonder how could anyone have found that kind of uh, comforting. That smile, I think, is present on these these yeah. happiness tokens. And you're right. Like a lot of the colors are very they're like weirdly muted. That they don't really they seem just don't to pop. Go to, they also don't really seem to go together. Like I mean, I they do in the sense yeah. that they are not wildly clashing, but it doesn't <clears throat> it doesn't really seem to fit naturally together. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's a it, fine game. It's it's, it's and the, the tiles are nice thickness though, so it's not like you were picking it up and you're like, oh geez, they really kind of cheaped out there. So as far yeah. as like the thickness of the pieces go and the, the physical quality of them, they're fine. Um, but it's just some of the design choices and the the aesthetics kind of lead you are a little weak. And uh, that now that said, I'd be curious. The expansion is coming out soon, and I think it adds some more variety to mm-hmm. some of these things. And that maybe might help. maybe it will just push it into what it, what it yeah. needs to be. But as it stands, like I was saying, I was a little disappointed because it, on the on the surface, it sounds like something that would really get to me. It's like you're chucking dice. There's tile placement. There are a bunch of tracks. There's resource management and uh, turning them into other things. And there's engine building. 
you're listing tons of my favorite things, but when it comes down to it, I think it just none of it really. And this is off of one play, so keep that in mind. But in general, it nothing. It didn't really. It didn't hook me in the sense that it's like, oh, um, I I really want to get this again. I really want to do this differently. Yeah. Which is almost the exact opposite to another game we played recently, which we got out. Uh, I was happy that we were able to bring it. We brought Container to Kayla's family home. And even though we couldn't convince her father to play, even though I think he would have enjoyed it, mm-hmm. we played with your mom, who, even though she wanted to just play Monopoly, <laughs> which is ridiculous. Who, do you, ridiculous. who are you talking to? Well, yeah, okay, sure. So we got it out, and... Uh, it took her a little bit the first game mm-hmm. to kind of figure out what was going on. And to be fair, like, it's fun. It's interesting when you're teaching a game like that, certain things that happen. Somebody says, oh, I didn't know I was supposed to do that or do this. It's like, oh, it is an oversight. And I assume that you would you would not think that way. But I should have been clearer in which the specifically I'm thinking of is the where things were priced. So she put a, um, what was it, the, the factory or something in one position? She assumed it had to be... Right, because the factory goes to the far left to start, and so she thought she had to the put warehouse. it on the far yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, the warehouse. She thought she had to put the, her item, in, or the, her container on the far left, but that's also $6. Uh, so that's, you know, way out of yeah, yeah. So most budgets. We were just staring at this container that was priced ridiculously. Yeah, and and we, what are you doing? We thought she was being silly. Yeah, yeah. I thought she was playing a joke. No, but anyway. I'm just confused. So we got out container and we played it once and uh, had some fun with that. And then right after we were done, I couldn't believe it. Your mom said, so we're going to play it again. And I, I thought she was making fun of me at first because <laughs> the idea of somebody like immediately after, especially a game that she, I don't think she did super well at, but I think she had some fun with, but saying, yeah. let's do it again. I think she did well the second time. Didn't she win? Did um, she win? No, I don't think so. It was close. Okay. I thought she won. doesn't matter. No. But anyway, like, what did you think of, so we've kind of played a bit of container lately. I feel like we've introdu- introducing it to people and... It's almost become kind of like, well, let's bring it because it's so simple yeah. and it creates these nice organic experiences mm-hmm. with others. And it's a cool discussion point because the components are so cool yeah. and people are just kind of amazed by the boats and the containers and it's it's really neat. Yeah. And I think it's actually really simple and um, and I think it produces a lot of a lot of laughs. Yeah. I think that's the main thing to take away is yeah. that. Once people kind of get a feel for what is going on, that's when the you, you get these. And I mentioned to Joel the other day, but just like you get these accusations and these these yes. yelling at other people, like "What are you doing, pricing like that? Are you out of your mind?" Yes, and you're and you're undercutting, undercutting, and, and all this weird brinkmanship where yeah. it's like you're out of your mind. I'll never pay that. Then the round comes by, nobody's done anything. You sheepishly bring right. your ship into their oh, port. Damn. Okay, fine. <laughs> I'll, I'll take it. I'll take it. I'm not happy about it. Exactly. <laughs> I'm not happy about it, but I'll I'll buy it. So I think Container is just a really... Yeah, I think it's a cool game. And But again, here's the problem with it is that it is, A, because it's overproduced, it's so expensive. And I don't know, even know if you can find stock on it at the moment. I'd be surprised if you couldn't because it is so expensive. But because it is, I think, out of print or they're saying they're not reprinting it, that it may have turned into a slight collector's item. But I'm sure you can find some right now. And if you can, I really recommend picking it up. Um, but the other part, too, is because it is so overproduced it's so heavy and clunky that it's not a tiny box to bring around with you and i think if you felt like a tough guy you could probably you could proxy it no problem like you could make your own version of container quite quite easily 
if you want, like even cards-based version of it or something like that. But what are you seeing, Kel? Uh, 401 Games is sold out. 401 Games is sold out. I don't know what Board Game Bliss is looking like. I know they had a bunch for a little bit. Yeah, well, we'll find out. But anyway, I'm she's gonna looking s- it up. I'm going to say that things are sold out, so you may be out of luck. But maybe if you join the Guelph Board Game group, we'll... We can, we can you. give you some advice. <laughs> we'll be friends with you and play the game. Yeah. Oh, I see what you mean. Yeah. So anyway, container is a hit. And I think the the row, row, low rule overhead um, minus a couple of like weird parts where it's kind of like, oh, okay, why does it do that? Or what does it do with this? Which I blame kind of the design of the boards and kind of the design of the the um, factories in particular, or the machines are just weird looking and it's kind of difficult for people to wrap their head around if they're not accustomed to this. But once you get by that, I really think container is something that everyone should have a copy of. Well, it, not everyone can have a copy, Jack, because it's also sold out at Board Game Bliss. Okay, Board Game Bliss has it sold out too. So this is getting a little dire here. Uh, don't yeah, You may all be SOL. I, I'm scared. Because I, you keeping in mind that you, um, you uh, kickstarted it. Yeah, so I was I was one of the suckers, on kick suckers. Um, there, I mean, there's like what's like Amazon an saying? Old, sorry, it's like the older version. Oh, really? It's not the tenth anniversary. What do they want for that? Um, it looks like there's a collectible edition, and it's about two hundred dollars. Yeah, ignore that. That's ridiculous. So anyway, yeah, you maybe make some friends or keep an eye out luck. for it or proxy it because that. <sighs> I hate recommending stuff that's out of print, and I I feel bad for doing that. Yeah. Especially when it comes something like Megasiv or, but th- that's yeah. coming back into print. Um, you could also get the new edition of the the tenth anniversary for about three hundred dollars on Amazon. Don't don't pay. <laughs> don't do that. Don't do that. But I'm just you know. This is a time I'm going to use this. I'm time. afraid that we're. I feel bad that we're talking it up because it's a really good game. Yeah. yeah. And I think we're really lucky to have it, and uh, I feel sad that other people don't have it. And I'm going to take this time here to, A, apologize, sorry, for recommending games that apparently are way more difficult to find than I thought. And B... I think that just shows that we are people of wealth and taste. Wealth and taste. (laughs) At least taste. (laughs) At least. Um, This is a PSA for people who are buying games. Amazon is not your friend. Amazon is not your friend. Is I'm not... Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, and there's a huge asterisk at the asterisk at the end of that statement. But in general, if you look on Amazon, the nine—I'm going to go higher. I'm going to say 99 times out of 100, you are not going to be happy with what you find on Amazon. And I mean this in a sense that it's either going to be insanely high mm-hmm. compared to what would happen if you walked into any board game place. I'm talking even about the people that are uh, gouging you. Like they—they'll. <laughs> Amazon's uh, sheer absurdity will look like uh, somebody patting you on the head compared to, um, or vice versa. The the other places that might not treat you with respect will feel like a pat on the head compared to Amazon's knife in the gut of how badly. They're relying on you being dumb. The That said, if you've got something like Camel Camel or Camel Eyes or whatever, and you can set up price alerts on stuff, I've picked up a bunch of stuff on Amazon at a ridiculous price or at least um, below normal price that and it's sometimes you find weirder stuff there too and that's one of the things that's kind of special but Mm -hmm. in general do not rely on Amazon or just go there first and cut your losses at least 
price compare. Like if you feel like Amazon's your friend, that's fine. But take a look at 401, Board Game Bliss. Check out your local game store. Yep. Um, if you're local to Guelph, Guelph, check out J&J's. Just do a little bit of research first. I've bought games on Amazon, but usually I price check them. You got to do it. And especially if you are trying to get something last minute, like a party game for a friend, for a birthday or whatever, just do a quick price check. Because if you're going to, like, if it's a dollar and you need it urgently, whatever. But if it it's it's normally going to be fairly significant, and and sometimes you get these absurd prices too. Like it's if you, for example, if you type in and it's the third party sellers that are based on bots and things. Kale, mm-hmm. look up Megasiv on uh, Amazon just as a Mega joke. Megasivalization. Because what happens is sometimes you see these prices, and it, in the background of whoever these res- third party resellers are, they've just got these algorithms that are just going crazy, and I'm not sure what they're basing their numbers on. But uh, Kayla, what do we got? Okay, so for Mega Civilization, which I uh, believe is the wooden box version, the version that we have, mm-hmm. it is uh, $891.61 <laughs> plus shipping. $157.18 in shipping, yeah. which is crazy. But it's also sold by a seller called Hard to Find Games. Also, two is a number, not the of word course. two. You didn't even have to say that to uh, me. I almost knew right away. <laughs> I thought you might. So no, don't pay that. And they just launched, so just launched. Okay, definitely not a scam either. Yeah, probably not a scam, folks. Never, never would advocate stealing uh, or copyright infringing. But before you go and pay a thousand dollars for Megasiv, just a wait for uh, uh, Western Empires, which is coming out at Essen or not Essen Gen Con this year, Um, or. For just please, just go go to a print shop and tell them you want the finest <laughs> quality uh, PDFs uh, imprinted onto cardboard or paper stock or something. You're gonna get us in trouble. Don't tell people to do that. I'm tell say- people. No, people can start that on their own. Don't. Tell they them. can make it themselves. I'm not saying no. copy this. I never said that, Kalen. They can create their own Version. using the resources available to them Ugh. at their local uh, we stores. We don't endorse. Copyright infringement. Copyright infringement. Or illegal downloading movies or anything like that. Who brought that up, Kayla? Just saying. (laughs) Um, Just like JT didn't say anything to that woman. JT? Justin Trudeau? (laughs) Yeah. All right. Uh, I just went real casual on that whole JT and woman. (laughs) Justin Timberlake? I mean, it could be. All right. This is getting out of hand. We're going to take a musical break. We'll be back to discuss game rooms and a certain science fiction TV series that you may or may not have heard of. Stay tuned.
Welcome back to CFRU 93.3 FM. What you just heard was, 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 was. Ennio Marconi's uh, original soundtrack work from The Mission, uh, 1986 film starring Robert De Niro and Jeremy Irons. I guess Liam Neeson's in there. I forget about that. Uh, related to our talk of Santa Maria. Santa Maria. The Mission is incredible. Have you seen it, Kayla? The Mission? I don't think so. We watched it in our uh, world religions class, I think, in high school. It was one, definitely one of these uh, end-of-the-semester type things, but I was blown away at the quality of this flick. I didn't even know it existed because nobody talks about this movie for some reason. Gorgeous. Absolutely gorgeous. Robert De Niro plays this, um, uh, I, I guess you could call him a slaver of some sort, who starts off uh, hunting down people in, um, oh, God, what country? I'll just say uh, South America <laughs> and uh uh, eventually he runs into Jeremy Irons who kind of converts him to be a Jesuit and he goes to sort of protect the uh, indigenous tribes from the his uh, former employer who's going in ruthlessly and going after these, uh, trying to enslave them. And there's a fairly incredible little sequence there at the end of the flick, but tremendous, tremendous movie. And nobody talks about it. Have you heard anyone bring it up? No, never. No. Soundtrack's incredible. Acting's incredible. Cinematography is incredible. The mission. Give it a shot. A shout. A shot if you haven't yet. Really recommend it. Uh, so before we went to our music break, uh, I had mentioned something about how uh, talking about games and spaces games, to games. play them. And Kayla and I are currently in the position where we're looking around for a new place to live. And when you are people who enjoy board games and um, acquiring board games, you start to get a feel for space. And when you start to play games, you realize how much space you actually need to mm -hmm. actually play them properly. And something like, let's say, Megasiv, which obviously a fully team player game, that's absurd, but you could theoretically with the right table, get it out, no problem. It's about the space though. So, Kayla, why don't you describe what you're looking for in the not necessarily dream game room, but let's be realistic here, and then maybe we can move on to like mm -hmm. the, the the dream settings. But what's what's a good game room and what's a good game setup? Okay, so good game room for me is a room that is separate from our like day to day living area, mm -hmm. primarily just because uh, we want to be able to maybe leave a game set up. We want to be able to you mm -hmm. know store all our games. I didn't even think and about that. We that's literally all Joel has been talking about. Leaving games set up? Yeah. Oh. Uh, and ideally, we want to be able to play <laughs> games in the same room where we store our games. Yeah. So um, those factors are important. And also, like, but we're still adults and we like to have, like, parties and we like to have people over. So we want to, even though games are, like, a huge part of, like, what we love, we don't want that in our everyday living space. We don't want to be staring at our board games all the time, mm. even though they're beautiful. Mm -hmm. That's just not what we want. <laughs> so our ideal game setup is a separate room. Uh, a room, a basement, an attic maybe, we were talking about that today, mm -hmm. where w essentially what it is is for our games. Uh, we would probably build shelves around the outside of the room for all of our games, for storing them, for displaying them. We'd probably leave some space for 
game related artwork. We have some, <laughs> I don't know, you know, we have some like legacy games that we finish, maybe mm. shadow boxing them or something. Like things like that would be cool. What's shadow boxing? It's Aside like a from deep frame. Fighting your shell. It's like a deep frame oh, that okay. you put like 3D things in. All right. And then uh, in my head, in the middle of the room, there's this big, huge square mm. table. Um, which is basically like super basic and just some nice chairs. Um, I know Jack has some thoughts about the table, so I'll maybe let him talk about that. But kind of that, maybe some like comfy chairs in the room just to like chill out or like a corner for reading rule books. I don't know. So that's kind of like a base. That's kind of in my head. It's always been a basement. It doesn't have to be. Mm-hmm. Could be on the main floor. Basements can, can kind of be damp sometimes. So we'd have to make sure that there was oh, that's some. a good point. You know, dehumidifier situation. Go on <laughs> there's lots on of, the games. There's yeah. a lot to think about. But that's kind of my ideal situation. A room that is dedicated for it, which I imagine for a lot of people seems excessive. Like, how can you possibly have a whole room dedicated to your games? But I think that because it's something that's so important to our lives, it's something that we really enjoy doing with our friends, you could go down there. You don't necessarily have to play a game. You could just, you know, it's just a cool space that is primarily for games, but you could use it for, I don't know, doing a puzzle, doing artwork, Mm -hmm. um, I don't know, playing Twister, which is still a game, but (laughs) just a space (laughs) that we could, you know, yeah, kind of yeah. do that because we have so many games and right now they're tucked away in our room in our house which is i mean a great room it's lovely but um they're tucked away and as soon as we want to play a game we have to like trudge into the room not trudge it's not far or a trudge <laughs> but i mean trudge sounded more dramatic yeah. we have to go into the room we have to maybe pull one or two games bring them out talk to them over with our friends whereas if the games were just surrounding us all the time i feel like we would be you know, if we're sitting down, we're about to finish a game and move on to another one. It feels like it would be inspiring to look around. Um, I think in a dream world, maybe there's also like a wet bar down there so we can make good drinks. But anyways, that's that's my thoughts, Jack. I think it's you've, you've pretty much said exactly what I would agree with. The um, It's all about space. And I think for me, it would be nice to be able to have stuff around where you can have them all yeah. sort of laid out, not laid out, but just like, so you can actually see everything yes. individually and not be, because the current situation is that there's stuff behind other things yes. and it's, there's a lot of good games that maybe you'd even almost forget about. It sounds yes. terrible to think about, but. But it happens because but it happens. when you have that number of games and because our current setup is like fairly limited, we do have to put games behind, like we have, our shelves are doubled and tripled because we'd rather i'd rather put the games behind each other than stack them yeah yeah, yeah. and worry about like ruining them that way so yeah, yeah like anyway sorry and I, I want to be clear here this is not intended to come across as like some weird humble bragging about like game quantities and stuff it's not it, it's just the reality of the fact like there's so many good games out there and jack needs to collect them all that's not true it's like a you just need situation. to have i think that everyone should have a certain there are definitely games that are not as essential we've just talked about today santa maria is it essential no, no. Um, but it's interesting, but there are some, I think you could easily, if you wanted to build like an, an essential board gamers collection, you 200 games or 300 games is nothing. That's like, that's basically entry level <laughs> stuff because yeah. as soon as you get into the weird stuff, there's so, so, so many games. Like you go to the GMT catalog by itself and pick out easily 50 to a hundred yeah. games that you should probably 
Like you would, you could be worse off having. So the point is that when you've got the quantity of that stuff, it's kind of like having a music collection or a record collection. Yeah, I don't think it's really any different. You're just passionate about. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, anything you're really into, and it's just like going back to the music or uh, comparison, for example. If you've got all these CDs or or records, do you want to have them in such a way that you can't tell where that what you've got or what like because mm-hmm. you're less likely to actually listen to a great uh, one of your favorite albums like that, or mm-hmm. it's more inconvenient to do so. So. When you have something out of sight, it means that, and this is, I haven't even seen any of these episodes, but to me, it sounds like one of these Marie Kondo things, or it's like, if if you don't see it, it's not bringing you joy, so get rid of it, or I don't know, which well, is crazy. get rid of any of them. They're all no, bringing no, us joy. No, they're all bringing, yeah, exactly. Speaking so of which, we also need, like, good music in our game room. Yeah, so and that's something that I could probably help with at the moment, but yeah. it's the... I think the so we we all have our in my mind's eye is wooden like this kind of warm yeah. uh, feel to it for but sure. the it's like a library like but a library for games like it's people have libraries in their homes that's totally yeah. normal although like in our dream dream house we'd also have a library absolutely with the uh, uh, metal spiral staircase yeah, of in the course, center and a fireplace and and also the the ladder that goes. Obviously, in the leather armchairs. Anyway, sorry, we could just go on about our dream house. Just dreaming, which is actually a game too, but anyway. (laughs) um, So Kayla touched on it. The table is critical, and there are a couple ways to go about this. And in fact, if you go online, there are even entire companies that Mm -hmm. make gaming tables. We're going to make our own. And when you look at the price tag on them, your eyes will explode because they are very expensive. But I've heard good things about them, and I hope so for that price tag. Now, the other thing is that we would make one almost undoubtedly, but the other trick I've heard is to find an old pool table mm-hmm. because they are already, generally speaking, the perfect size. Um, and the even if the felt is like roughed up, it's still going to be way better than uh, a lot of things. And you can refelt it yourself. You can put that down if you're that crazy. Um, but there are, I've seen plenty of DIY projects where people have taken a basic Ikea table that kind of like has a way of folding in on itself and renoing that into a, a game table you can actually put away and do things with. So we would never put it away. <laughs> Fold up the table, never. Anyway, it's just one of these examples that like, because we are looking for things and I think we're in a position that we can, we, we should be able to find what we're looking for as far as space goes. It's something to keep in mind for us, and um, it is something that when we're looking, we're we're thinking like, where would we put the games? <laughs> where, well, where's the table go? Where it's do... true though. We looked at a a house that had like a great potential, but <clears throat> there was really no space for the games, and that's like significant. Yeah. Because what do you do with them? I don't even want to think about I it. I know. Yeah. Let's not even think about it. But <clears throat> uh, so that's probably like we are willing. Like we are. Not, you know, trying to find our dream home, but I think that's something that we're not really re- ready to compromise on. Yeah, it's definitely something that it's like, it's a deal breaker. There needs to be some space yes. for this, unless some some sort of crazy sign from the heavens says yeah. something otherwise, this is where we're at right And we now. love hosting. We love having our friends over to come play games. We love when it's convenient for them to come to us because it's A, easy for us, and B, um we depending on what we're doing like we probably have the game we're going to play mm-hmm. um again not to sound game elitist. well it's just like we i think we both enjoy hosting and that's another thing about board gaming that i think is a really nice aspect of mm-hmm. the hobby is that there already there's this intrinsically or inherently social aspect to it because you unless you're playing a game by yourself you're playing with someone else yes. and i'm not talking about 
something that I'm not trying to say it's not social if you're on a computer playing multiplayer games with other people, but you're right there with this other sure. person. So, and a lot of board games are like four player minimum, five player minimum. Uh, we're organizing other games that are like nine players. That's yep. like, I'm perfectly happy doing it. So there's this tremendous, lovely social aspect to some of these games, especially like the party games where people are having a ball. And well, uh, that's what I love about games is I, um, I'm not a huge fan of playing games on my own. Like I've never pulled out the Autonoma version of a game. No. Um, I don't, I don't mind playing games on online, but I, I much prefer playing games in person. I find that's really what gets me. I want to spend time with my friends. I want to have good food yeah. and have some drinks and just have some laughs and good times. And that's it. It's like, it, it's and a bigger it, experience for all, both of us. Yes. I think. And I find that depending on who you are, like I'm personally like, um, not, I wouldn't say I'm socially awkward, but <laughs> I don't think I am. I, don't, Who knows? I wouldn't say so. But, um, you know, sometimes <clears throat> I find parties intimidating. It's hard to, like, spend a whole evening with people you may not know talking, whereas you can come together over a game, and I find it's a lot easier to, uh, you know, to uh, learn about people and, you know, become friends with them and, and form a bond with them over games. I'm not saying mm. it's the only way, but... I find it is a really good way to do that. So yeah. that's that's what coming back to where we started. That's what we want to promote in our yeah yeah. It's it's space. Meant, there's no point because because games are such an like you're saying important part of our lives that it seems it would be a waste not to be able to take advantage of it or, or host in a way that we can we feel like we've been talking about for yeah. a long time and dreaming about sort of being able to do on a better scale than perhaps we do For now. Sure. Not that there's, we're doing it poorly now. No, but, and no. It's different. It's just different. It's just <laughs> something that we, you know, when we think about what, what will be next, it's something that's always been on our radar. Yeah. So, I mean, if people are interested in seeing what we end up doing, I'm sure there will probably be some sort of home improvement project yeah. related to this um especially when it comes to the shelves and the board or the table people are interested in that you could email the ad radio email whatever it might be or <laughs> yeah, i'm trying comment, to remember what it is now or comment on our instagram or send us a dm on our instagram and let us know and we could you'll see if look track folks. that across the instagram when it Dang. when it happens, it's gonna happen no it'll you'll see it. So <laughs> you'll see it regardless. You'll, you'll probably hear for us talk our about two it. listeners, <clears throat> and one of you will two. probably just email it directly to you. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know who that person is. I'm curious though. Oh, it's probably like Karen. Oh well, I, I, that was the one I was thinking of though. <laughs> I don't know the other one. Oh well, I'm sure there's at least one other person out there. Yeah, well, here's hoping. So maybe anyway. So that's us <laughs> talking about uh, the future. The future is not set though. So moving on. We are about... That was ominous. Future is not set? Yeah. That was just a Terminator reference. Oh, That's okay, all. Fine. Um, the We are about halfway through, I'd say, even though I'm not totally sure of the length of the season, I'm going to say it feels like we're about halfway through the latest season of Star Trek Discovery. Mm -hmm. This is true. For those who are not aware, Star Trek is a long-running series of TV shows and <laughs> movies and novels and video games and, and board games and computer games. Can you games imagine someone listening to the show and not knowing what Star Trek was? I could. You know what? You think that's possible? I, I don't mean to offend anyone. It just seems like if you know board games and you know movies, like Star Trek has just got to yeah. be on your radar. I, I think so you're, you're right in the sense that or Star Trek your, exists and everyone's heard of Star Trek. Uh, even though it was, uh, sure, you may not be super familiar with it, but you must you must know at least. Yeah, you maybe so, have heard of it. Yeah, exactly. They'd probably be like, oh yeah, Kirk or Picard or something like that. So just like the surface knowledge, yeah. like did you know they're the 
what about this series or that series? Did or, you know that stuff? we named our cats after <laughs> Star Trek characters? <laughs> <laughs> and we're we're not even that huge I fans. I, I think we we're just, just we were just watching a lot of it at the time. And it yeah, seemed and, and the names have stuck. I think they're maybe they're I'm cute. just so used to them at this point. What do you mean they stuck? Of course they stuck. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, the 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 current season that is out is something that was a little controversial, mm-hmm. and that is uh, it's Star Trek Discovery, which is the latest attempt to put Star Trek on TV. And it's by CBS, who's been doing it, I think, the since the get-go. Uh, but the trick is that this one's not on regular cable, at least as far as uh, the U.S. goes. In Canada, I think it is space maybe showing it. Um, so I can't speak to that because we don't have cable. But we've been watching it through Crave, and Crave is streaming the episodes as they come yes, out. Which is super handy. I love when streaming services do that. Oh, it's, it's lovely. More of you do that. I, I wish... I assume the streaming services are listening to Yeah, they're definitely station. tuning in and to CFRU, Android Dungeon, the <laughs> voice of the people. So, Star Trek Discovery takes place before Kirk uh, in the timeline, even though... And I was asking some people who are fairly big Trek fans about this, and I could have swore the timeline didn't make sense, but they're saying, no, it's in the mainline universe. Um, it takes place before Kirk and it takes place after Enterprise. I, I'm not even sure if Enterprise is really canon, even though I think there are some slight references to Enterprise, even in the J.J. Abrams uh, movies. But mm. um, And it follows uh, the lady from Walking Dead, Sonika Martin-Green, who plays Michael Burnham, an inexplicably named character who is, was stranded, grew up on Vulcan. And, but she's human. But she's human, and now she's piloting, or she's on uh, this fancy new starship, uh, Enter- or, um, Discovery. Discovery, whose whole gimmick with is Clem that. Clem Fandango. With Clem Fandango from Toast of London, who's <laughs> just, you can't see him without saying, Stephen, can you hear me? It's just, you can't. Um, and the whole gimmick with Discovery is that the ship has this ability to basically warp anywhere in the universe, which is kind of absurd if you think about it, because it's like, oh man, we've we've painted ourselves in too, too giant of a room. Like, we can do anything we want. Um, so they try to restrict it in certain ways. But anyway, um, first season was interesting. There was a war with the Klingons. There was some stuff right. going on. There was some, like, fairly controversial things with the Klingons, too, in that... They cha- the design on the Klingons yeah. was really it weird. It was very confusing. And they, they made them speak Klingon the entire time, which mm-hmm. was disconcerting as well. Um, and the show has this aesthetic to it that's straight out of the, the new movies, where th- the camera's fairly dynamic, the special effects are... F- I, I think they're very good. They they may not be Hollywood quality, but as far as like average TV stuff goes, oh, this is leaps quality, and bounds. I think it's way above that, to be honest. Yeah. But anyway, the acting is pretty good. Um, I think Doug Jones maybe does some of the best stuff. He's uh, Saru, the Kelpian. I love Saru. And he just, he just, Doug Jones just disappears in these roles because he is that type of actor. Yeah. In, in case mean, you, it, it helps that he's like quite the costume on. Oh, yeah, they cost him too. But he's, if you also look at him, the way he carries himself yeah, as well. Like which he's is a, super cool. He really, like, it feels very much like Saru. He's an alien, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, anyway, without going too far, the first season, I liked it. I don't think it's, it, it's not Star Trek in the sense of if you look at the other series of Star Trek, typically what happened was every episode had some sort of event and there was usually some sort of, especially the the original series was more about modern day sort of parallels, like trying to create this sort of 
these moral lessons. Next Generation had these fairly philosophical sort of uh, um, questions being asked uh, in the midst of various adventures. Then you had Deep Space Nine, which was almost like a, uh, a, a continuous drama, a serial drama taking place on a space station, but lots of space politics. And Deep Space Nine, some people swear by as being their favorite. In fact, we were just watching the, the finale of Veep last night from the previous season, and one of the characters on the show has a line where he's like, uh, Star Trek is for, or science fiction is for the feeble-minded. I, I, don't, I don't like Star Trek, except for Deep Space Nine, <laughs> which is one of these like uber nerdy things to say. And then you had Enterprise, which was, or then you had Voyager, which I'm currently watching again right now because I used to grow up watching it. It never really stuck with me. I never saw it in sequence, but now I'm watching it as I'm like at night. And it's such a weak, weak show compared to next gen. It just can't even hold a candle. Deep Space Nine was occurring, I think, simultaneously. And the show just looks like a joke by comparison. Do you ever think it's because, do you ever think that you don't love it as much because it's a woman captain? I don't. Because I was thinking about that the other night when I was... So there's the episode I just watched had one where for some... So the premise of Voyager, in case you don't know, is that Voyager is a spaceship, uh, one of these uh, Starfleet ships, and it just gets warped into the Delta Quadrant, which in the series is like the... The, the no one goes here type thing is so far away. Reaches of Furthest the known reaches. Perfect. Universe. And they're like, oh, we have to get back. So it's going to take us 79 years or something to, at, at whatever, our maximum warp, continuously to do this. And they get into some adventures along the way. And uh, anyway. You the, don't say. You're saying it's not just them, like, at warp speed every episode. <laughs> just like twiddling back. their thumbs. Yeah. <laughs> so this one, for some reason, starts off with. Um, Voyager's just sh- cruising along the galaxy, mind their own business, and this alien ship shows up, and it's like, hey, how's it going? And uh, Voyager's like, oh, we've never seen you before. What's up? And then all of a sudden, Harry Kim, who's this ensign, and the joke about Harry Kim is he's the, he's the poor fool that stays an ensign the entire series. He's never promoted. <laughs> he's just stuck being an ensign. And all of a sudden, Harry goes, he's going to fire at his captain. And in, in Voyager's so poorly written at times, it's just like people constantly take control from, of the ship on like a, the drop of a dime. And, it, and all of a sudden, Tuvok, who's a security guy, goes, well, I've... He, uh, control is, uh, from weapons has been taken over, Captain, or something. And, of course, Harry Kim's gone in two seconds. And he shoots at this guy, and they get into a fight, and uh, there's all that. So after Harry basically just starts a fight randomly, in case you're not aware, on a ship, you don't do anything unless the captain tells you to do it. Uh, or unless there's some really, really, really good reason for especially it. Especially if but, you're an ensign. Especially if you're an ensign. And then, so after Harry does this, like, Janeway, the captain of the ship, is kind of like... Why did you do that, Harry? <laughs> <She's> like, what? <laughs> Why didn't you throw him out the airlock? That was crazy. He just potentially started a giant war. Yeah. And then it, it just, to me, it's like, and I was thinking, like, what would Picard have done? What would Kirk have done? What would the, these other captains have done? But there was something that it wasn't that it's, they're trying to make her seem more matronly or, or maybe more caring. But I think it was more that it was just poorly written. And I think that's the whole problem with uh, Voyagers. That's just not as well written as the rest of the series. The actors are doing their best. But the just the the scenes Captain and the direction Janeway does her best. She does her best. She's doing it okay. So anyway, so back to Discovery. The current season, there's this weird subplot that involving uh, Spock. Spock's in the series, but he's missing. 
which is kind of like one of the movie premises, I think. I was the search for Spock, Star Trek 3 or 4. Spock is always missing. Spock's always missing. He's always running off. Um, who's also busy. Michael's brother for some reason. Adopted uh, brother. Adopted brother, she okay. was abandoned and then she grew up on Of course Vulcan. it's Spock, though. And uh, so they're chasing yeah, Spock. Well, someone has to be Spock's adopted sister. And there's also this thing of the like the, the red angel that is has been hinted at and Michael may or may not have seen or hallucinated. She and definitely saw and that has not been explained at all yet. And um, the Mirror Universe um, uh, woman from Coaching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, and Crazy Rich Asians, uh, Michelle Yeoh, uh, oh, she's is great. She's very good. So, so she's here and she's doing stuff. And Clem Fandango has joined her crew. Uh, who Clem Fandango's back, and I've never been happier. <laughs> and he's not with the Klingons. It's and great. he's not with the Klingons. So, uh, but in general, like. I think I'm enjoying this season a bit more because maybe because I'm desensitized to the sort of the discovery sort of, I don't want to say insults, but sort of them just like saying, this isn't forget everything you know, because this is discovery Trek now. I don't know. What do you think of the season? I like, I am not a Star Trek. I'm not Star not Trek knowledgeable. I don't want to say that. I'm not Star Trek knowledgeable. I don't have a good understanding of the Star Trek canon. So it's really hard for me to be unhappy. Notably, was unhappy with the Klingon situation as someone who has been watching a lot of Star Trek. Yeah. Um, and I may not be as clear where they all fall, and I admittedly have not read the books. But um, I was disappointed with the Klingon situation. And, um, like, overall, when I watched Star Trek, I just want to be entertained. Like, yeah. I, I'm not going to take offense to something that's not accurate. And I find it, I find it entertaining. So, for me, it's a perfectly acceptable show. I like space shows i liked watching voyager and deep space nine when i was growing up after school yeah and i've enjoyed watching them otherwise i'm sure we'll go back and watch them again so i i find it entertaining and i'm not offended so what do you now I'll see if you remember or know where i'm going with this what do you hate in all the star trek series what do i hate in oh <laughs> okay so i hate in every star trek series they go hail them they're not responding like it happens <laughs> so fast like you gave them no time to respond how is this even possible like so i was trying to think about whether like whether a star trek nerd would be able to answer it's kind of like so maybe if your your channel is open then maybe but maybe if he's he's it's like trying to call somebody immediately getting like busy or like the like do 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 like maybe that's what they're saying, but no, it can't be. Like they didn't, they don't even leave them time to like, you know, swipe the red phone <laughs> on your phone. Like, come on, everyone like looks at it for a second and is like, nah, I don't want to answer this. Like, come on, maybe it would make sense. Like maybe if you're in like a, a angry position, maybe angry you're like position. blocking all incoming calls. Maybe that's what they're trying. Although to I could say. swear they sometimes like they're blocking transmissions or they're, they're I don't know. I know I exactly know. what it you're saying. That's crazy. Me crazy like <laughs> honestly even just like a four second pause but there's none it's like hail them they're not answering captain what yeah how it just doesn't make sense if someone uh -huh. knows can explain why this makes sense then please do because i need help maybe i should look it up but it just drives me i know I, I want somebody to explain that to me too because every t we we both notice it and we all chuckle it's like you didn't give us it's like, just give them a chance and now like, you're gonna explode them <laughs> and that's what gets me too about voyager going back to i don't want to take a dump on the show too much but the show the ship is supposedly more powerful than 
Like it, it's supposed to be such a, like a space tank because it's more advanced and it, their technology is way advanced, more advanced than any of these Delta Quadrant fools. Yet somehow it's like, it drives me nuts where some fool in his little rinky-dink spaceship shows up <laughs> and they're, it's like, pling, 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 they're shooting at them and poor Ensign Kim just keeps saying, shields are down 85%, Captain. It's like, well... <laughs> you let him shoot you 20 times and like I get you're a tough guy but sometimes it just feels like the power is just totally random yeah. where it's like roll the dice and yeah, they, oh they hit us they, they, directly in the warp core maybe the warp core is always breaking maybe that's what they're doing <laughs> yeah they're rolling the dice yeah, yeah it sounds about right and there was maybe a, that's what the writers did uh, roll the dice yeah well. There's a good video floating around. I don't know if it's on YouTube or not, but somebody went through, and this is never, ever doubt the patience of Star Trek fans. They went through, and um, the, the, I think the very first episode of Voyager, or, the very, or one of the second ones, they do a, a, a tally of all the equipment they've got on the ship, and they give a very specific amount of photon torpedoes. Yes. Some guy went through and counted every time they shoot torpedoes, and they're in the hole. Like they they stopped counting. The writers did not care whatsoever, but this guy did. <laughs> I like that. That's dedication. <laughs> it's absolutely because it's like legit. You're out in the Delta Quadrant. You have nothing. They yeah. get like uppity about like we can't lose the gel packs. Yeah, 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 exactly. And then what? You fire five million extra torpedoes well that's in like, like in this, where they come from in this episode there was like asteroids coming to the planet and they're like shooting torpedoes at them I'm like hold on a sec those things are valuable <laughs> can we can we can, can, we, we, can we push sh- it shoot some people <laughs> shoot some people so anyway so that's a bit of star trek nonsense for the listeners and maybe we can just have a whole episode dedicated because we get alex santamore and uh, mark hines on the show to have a santamore would have to dress up he does own a and mark has frangy ears so yeah Great. Anyway, jaunty drums indicate end of another episode of Android's Dungeon. A great one, if I do say so myself. Maybe one of the best. Probably. Most of everyone's excited about our home renovations. Yeah, home renovations and us like giggling about Star Trek. Yeah. And, and Santa Maria. Anyway, I'm Jack. I'm Kayla. Thank you for listening and stay tuned. CFRU, always something good on. Well, yeah, sure. Let's say that. Keep listening.